You're listening to Crossroads International Church Podcast. Welcome. We hope this podcast will bless you from wherever you're listening to it. For more information, go to our website at xrgs.nl. Now, let's get into the podcast. Well, good morning, everybody. So, friends, we continue... We continue with John's gospel, and um, the idea is this. We are doing a series on John's gospel uh, to prepare ourselves for Easter weekend. And so what we've said is we, we are preparing daily devotions for you to help you achieve our goal, and our goal is what we said last week, so that... As a community, we have read through the Gospel of John by Easter. That's our goal. And uh, so I hope it's going well, and I really encourage you to stick with it. It is such a beautiful, beautiful part of Scripture, and it's so packed with treasure and value, and is so rich, and can really be absolutely meaningful for you in your journey with God if you really take the time and make the effort to get into John's gospel. So daily devotions, they're up again. You'll find them in the app, and it is there to just simply help you read through John's gospel uh, by Easter. We can all say we have done that. So today what I want to do is I want to very quickly today touch on the famous I am sayings in John's gospel. Uh, You will remember I said to you last week, Uh, that what, for me anyway, makes John so unique is that John's gospel is not just a reporter's account of uh, Jesus' life, where he did, what he said, where he went, and all those kinds of things. I mean, John does that. But what John seeks to do is John seeks to add meaning. He wants us to really know not just what Jesus did, but what it means, what it meant. He wants you and I to know, as we read this book, the significance of the life of Jesus for our lives here, now, today. But the thing that John really wants you to walk away with is he wants you to know that Jesus was not just some historical figure. That's, oh, that's interesting. That's good to know. John wants us to know that it has meaning and significance, transformative significance, light, darkness, life where there was death, for your life and my life here, now, today. So, and the I am sayings ties into with with what John is trying to do, he wants you to know what Jesus' life can do for you today. Uh, let me remind you, I said last week that there are two, uh, two key themes, really, in John's gospel. Two main messages that he's trying to convey for us. The first is this. You remember I said to you last week that in Jesus, God took on flesh, God incarnate, dwell among us to show us who God is and what God is like. And indirectly also then to show us who we are meant to be, what we are meant to be like, how we are meant to live. So he wants, the first thing he wants us to know 
is that Jesus is God incarnate. Not just a teacher, not just a prophet. Fully God, fully human. Distinct from the Father, yet one with the Father. And then flowing out of that, the second thing that he wants us to know, and as you read John's gospel, read it with these things in mind. The second thing that flows out of that says, then, if you put your trust in him, and if you believe in Jesus, you will find life. Life in abundance. Life where there has been death. Light where there has been darkness. In Jesus can be a new creation. A new Paul Smith. If we put our trust and faith in Jesus. Now the I am sayings helps us to understand that. The I am sayings supports these two main messages that, that John has. Jesus is God. He was there at creation. We, you remember the prologue, those first few verses. The word was, is, will forever be. That's Jesus. And if you trust him, your life will never be the same again. And the I am saying supports that and feeds into that. And it helps us understand this main message that John wants to deliver for us. So, okay, the I am saying, I'm going to quickly touch on them today. I remind you that in your daily devotions that I put together for you this week, you're going to be touching on some of those I am sayings. Okay? The I am sayings, uh, appear about 14 times in John's Gospel. You, you will come across them. Um, there are two, two different types of I am sayings in John's Gospel. The first. So the Greek word for it is one you will, I'm sure many of you will know and have come across. Ego eimi is the Greek word for uh, I am. But when you read John's Gospel, and you come across this I am this, I am that, and, and where Jesus talks about I am, you might miss it. You might not catch the significance. Unless you remember the background to this ego a me, to this I am. Unless you remember and you cast your mind back to the Old Testament, in particular Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 to 15 in particular. If you read John's gospel, you must read it with that as background information, remembering what happened in Exodus 3. Let me remind you. Let me take you back about 1,200 or so years before Jesus was born uh, to Mount Sinai. Got a photo for you. There we go. And that is St. Catherine's Monastery. Um, built in around the 300s. So, tradition says that uh, it's in and around here somewhere where Moses encountered the burning bush. Do you remember the burning bush story? So, what was happening? Moses, who was a shepherd himself at that time, um, was tending to his flock, and then he sees this bush. It's burning. Uh, and um, he thought, well, this is strange. And he goes in to go and investigate. And it's at this time that God now speaks to him. And he says, listen, Moses, um, 
I have seen the misery and the heartache and the complaints. I've heard the cries of my people, um, and I'm calling you. I want to send you to go to Egypt. Remember, this is about the Israelite slaves in Egypt. I'm going to send you there to deliver them, to set them free. So Moses goes, okay, well, that's great, um, but, but what's your name? Because when I go to the Israelites and tell them, well, God has sent me, they're going to say, well, who? Who has sent me? How do I, what's your name? Who do I tell them has sent me? It's a fair question if you, if you consider that the Egyptians, uh, they worship many gods. I mean, there were lots of uh, Egyptian gods. You remember uh, gods like, um, now I forget them, uh, Ra, uh, Horus, Cyrus, there's a whole bunch of them. So it was a fair question. Okay, well, and so in verse 13 of chapter 3, Exodus, you remember? God says, my name is, I am who I am. And then he says to Moses, you tell the Israelites that I am has sent me to you. So here, we have this incredible moment where we have this, where God kind of gives us his name. And, and so the Hebrew form of that word I am is Yahweh, right? And that became kind of the ineffable personal name for God, Yahweh. Now you will know, some of you might know that your Jewish friends won't, uh, won't say that because God's name is so holy, and not to run the risk of breaking the commandment that says you can't take God's name in vain, they just won't say it. So they will replace it with um, uh, Hashem, or they'll replace it with Adonai, for example, uh, because God's name is so holy. But God reveals His name as I am, Yahweh. Kind of the meaning behind it is, well, I mean, we can talk for a long time about the meaning of I am. But I think at the heart of it, it is I am existence. I am the source of everything. Because I am, you are. And so God reveals his name, I am. Now, with that reminder, now you go back to John's gospel. Now you go back to John's gospel, and you read passages like John chapter 8. And you remember what's John's number one mission? Jesus is God. And if you believe in him, your life will be transformed. So now you read with that background, John 8, for example, verse 58 and 59. It says, very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. So Jesus saying, do you want to know who I am? I am. Now you connect that with what we just spoke about in Exodus. No wonder they wanted to pick stones up. They're like, what? Are you saying you're God? You remember John 6. 
You see, now we see these stories of a different thing. You remember John 6? There was this big storm, and Jesus walks to his disciples out on the lake on water. You remember? And they thought it was a ghost. What does he say to them? He said, I am. Do not be afraid. Can you see what John's doing? Beautiful. You remember later towards the end of Jesus' life in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, Jesus is about to be arrested and the soldiers come and, and, and he goes, well, who are you looking for? And he says, uh, and they say, well, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. What does he say? I am. And you and remember that they fall back and they fall to the ground. John wants to make clear for us that we understand the identity of Jesus. Not just some man, not just some prophet, not just some historical figure that you can dismiss. God Almighty, I am. And if that is then true, I have some decisions to make. But I can't just ignore Jesus Christ as just a teacher or a historical figure. You remember John 14 verse 8? He says to Philip, what does he say? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. So John constantly throughout the book wants us to understand the identity of Jesus. And that's part of the mission of the I am sayings. Then there's another kind of, the second kind of I am sayings, which are the ones with the predicate. In other words, they go on to describe. So you'll have, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. So there's seven of those. I'm going to list them for you. In chapter six, I am the bread of life. Maybe you can read them with me. You want to do that? Okay, uh, Davy, maybe just stick them all up, all seven. There we go. Thanks, Davy. Let's read them together. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the true vine. And then you've got the references where they are. Beautiful, seven of those. What's interesting about these is that they connect with the Old Testament. These are not new metaphors. To further, for John to further reinforce his point about the true identity of Jesus, these I am sayings connect with what we find in the Old Testament. These are Old Testament ways of describing who God is, attributes for God, what God does. And the thing is that John wants us to see in this is Jesus is relevant today for you and me. And in these I am sayings, we get to see what Jesus can do for us, what, what he wants to mean for us. He wants you to know that for you and me here today, he's the bread of life. He's the way. In a world that has got no understanding of truth, he says, Jesus, I am the truth, the way, and the life. So John wants you to see that Jesus 
as life has meaning for you and me today. And the I am sayings helps to show that. And he wants you to see. And so I would encourage you to go and study these seven I am sayings and see what God wants to do for you. We're going to have a look at some of them in the daily devotions. Today, we're going to just touch on one. I'm the bread of life. So I wanted to, I'm just looking at time. Um, Okay, you go and look at the seven I am things, right? Uh, And see how they connect in the Old Testament, with the Old Testament and what Jesus' message is in the New Testament. So for example, I'm the bread of life. What am I meant to think of? I'm meant to think of Numbers, Leviticus, for example. How about, remember when they were in the wilderness and God said they must build the tabernacle and they had to put this table of, build this table of the showbread and then every Sabbath they put 12 loaves of bread out, the bread of the presence being a symbol of, for the people every week, a symbol of God's covenantal relationship with them, but also how God just without fail provides and cares what we need for life. And so Jesus takes that understanding and he comes and saying, I am that bread that you need for life. And with all seven of those, you can do the same thing. So I am the light of the world. Where are you meant to think of now? If you go back Old Testament, we spoke about this last week. Genesis, creation. Creation. As I created and spoke light into darkness, so too I want to create a new heart in you and speak light into your darkness. And you can do that with all seven. But really for time, we're going to just do the third one. We're going to touch on number three. I am the gate for the sheep. Okay, so let's read our passage. It's in John chapter 10, verses 7 to 12. Let me read it for us. Beautiful passage of Scripture. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in, and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, abundantly. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolves attacks. Uh, but, but the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. Interesting passage. So he's saying, I am the gate for the sheep, and then he says, I am the good shepherd. Uh, how is that possible? So uh, what's going on here? For the gate or the shepherd? Uh, did Jesus say these things at different times, and then John just put them together in the same passage? No. Who's ever been to Israel? See, if you go to Israel, okay, great. If you haven't, go. (laughs) You'll love it. 
If you go, it gives you insight into passages like this. So those of you who've been there will know, if you just drive around, there are shepherds and sheep and goats everywhere. Wherever you go, you'll find, oh, there's a shepherd and some goats and some sheep all over the place in the wilderness. You find them all over. So if you now wonder, okay, now here's the shepherd and the sheep and his goats and whatever, and uh, now it's nighttime, and they're out in the wilderness, what does he do? How, what does he do to keep the sheep safe? Because, you know, now it's nighttime, and I mean, we all know that sheep are not the brightest animals. I mean, sheep nibble themselves lost. You know what I mean? As do we, so by the way. Sheep nibble themselves lost. The sheep go like, ooh, a nice little bit of green, and grazes away. Ooh, there's another nice one, and now it's great. And ooh, there's an, and then off it goes. Ooh, and, and the off the sheep goes. Before the sheep knows it, oh, where are all the other sheep? It's grazed, it's nibbled itself, lost. Something we are very good at, if you know what I mean. And so how does the shepherd now keep the sheep safe? And protect the sheep. Well, if you walk around the wilderness and you travel around the country, you'll see, no doubt, what the shepherds have done. They build these temporary sheep pens. So they will take, because there's stones and things all over the place, and they'll pack these stones on top of one another, and they'll build these temporary walls, and they'll build a little pen, and then they herd, and there'll be like a little entrance, and then they'll herd the sheep into this little area where they can then at night be safe from the wolves and the whatever else, and safe from their own, you know, I want to say stupidity, but that might be a bit harsh, but where they will be safe. But now there's this gap, there's this entrance. So what do sheep do? Do they, uh, uh, sheep do, what do shepherds do? Do they carry gates around with them in their backpack? Like, ooh, let me just get out my gate, and then put the gate in front of the, no. So what the shepherds do, oh wait, I've got another photo for you. So they'll either build uh, these pens or you'll see this. They use like, like a little cave almost and they'll build like little walls in front of it and there'll be an entrance and they'll herd the sheep into the little cave at the back where they can be safe for the night. But here's what the shepherds then do. The shepherd will go and so if here's the entrance, will take his shepherd's staff He'll wedge it in like this, and then he'll put himself, and he will lie then in the little entrance together with his staff. So the staff will go like this, and the shepherd will lie like this, forming a gate. And then in the morning, the shepherd gets up, takes his staff, and he leads them out into pasture. And so the shepherd is the gate. The shepherd can be both shepherd and gate for the sheep. And I find this such a beautiful, beautiful metaphor. Because the interesting thing is, in Greek, the, the word for gate can also be translated as door. And so we have this idea, then this image, where Jesus is not just, where Jesus is not just the gate by which we enter, but he's also the door. He can be both gate and door through which we enter. Jesus wants us to know that it is by him 
that we enter and have a seat at the table. It's through him. He is the gate. He is the entrance. And then he says it as much, by which we will have abundant life, life to its fullest. But not just. But also, he says, I am the one. I'm not just the door by which you enter. I'm also the gate which keeps you safe and protects you and looks after you and protects you from all that which seeks to harm and destroy you, your family, your loved ones. And I love that. You find life through me, but not just that, protection. I'll keep you safe and look after you. I love that. This passage is so beautiful because look what Jesus is saying. Then he talks about, oh, um, uh, he talks about, uh, you know, the thief has come to steal and destroy. And then he talks about, you know, in me you have life. Here's what I think he's saying. He's saying that in life there are many doors and gates which we can go through. Some of them lead to pain and heartache. And Jesus was saying, and some of them at the other end of that door and gate, he talks about the thief comes to lie and destroy and steal from you. Then he says, but what's on the other side of the gate, the door that I am, is life abundantly. And invite us to step through to experience full life. And the thing that he... I, I, I think the thing that we come to realize is that on the other side, in the protection, on the other side of the gate and the door where Jesus is, everything looks different. My perspective on life is different. How I see my relationships change when I step through the door that is Jesus Christ and I'm seated at his table. The way I view my possessions and money changes. The way I view death and pain changes. The way I view sex changes. The way I view parenting changes. I think this is what Jesus is saying about, I want to give you abundant life. And he invites us to step through the door that is him. And then, of course, there's this beautiful passage in, um, in the book of Revelation where Jesus says, for you remember, he kind of switches it up a bit. Remember, uh, he says, behold, I stand at the door of your life and knock. Will you let me in? This I am the gate is an invitation to life, to safety, to protection, to his care. He says that I can offer like no other gate, no other door that you seek to go through can bring, can offer. And the invitation to us is, will you, what John is saying, will you believe that Jesus is God? Will you believe that he is that gate? You, we come into safety through Jesus, but also 
Jesus is the one who will look after you and protect you and keep you safe. John says, will you step through that door? Will you step through that gate and see your life changed? Will you step through the gate that is Jesus? John invites us to. Beautiful, I am saying, let us pray. Lord Jesus, as we go throughout the rest of this week now, and we look at all the I am sayings, understanding that it shows us what you want to do for us, what you can mean for our lives today in the year 2023, showing us that you are God Almighty, creator of all, and that when we trust in you, believe in you, we will find life. As we study these I am sayings, I want to say to you again this week, I want to step through the gate. Lord, I'm great at wandering off and nibbling myself lost. But I want to step through the gate that is you, Jesus, into your presence into your protection, into your abundant life that you have for me. So I surrender to you. And welcome you in. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope that you have a wonderful week. See you next time.